0: We are in the third week of a four week series through Philemon. And as I was reading, preparing uh, a couple of months ago for this series, to be honest, this sermon is the one that I was like, how am I going to get what I think we need to hear out of this passage? And I'm not going to make this passage, do any gymnastics or backflips to try to get that point across because that would be wrong. The text needs to speak what the text is saying, but we need to hear and be challenged in this area. last couple of weeks, I started reading the companion letter to this letter, which is Colossians. And um, so we're going to spend some time in Colossians this morning. We're going to spend some time in Philemon. And we are looking at community restoration. If the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus needed to be restored, your relationship between you and the father needed to be restored, there was a community that also needed to be restored, those relationships in it. For any of you that know me, You know that I love church planting, and I love church planters. Thirteen years ago, when I set out on the journey to plant River Bend Church, the help that was given to me were two VHS tapes and a 47-page workbook and said, go have fun, learn all about it. And the six sessions on those two tapes... (sighs) Let's just say that they left a little to be desired, and so from that day, every time that I would hear of somebody who was wanting to go into church planning, either through what used to be the one eight network or what is now the two four two network, both of those were one eight and now two four two they are the church planting arm of the Mississippi Baptist Convention, I desire to help. And um, one of the guys that uh, I've had the pleasure and privilege to work with is a guy by the name of Scott Fortenberry, who planted, about two years ago, he planted Soul City Church in downtown, run-down, broken-down Jackson. And uh, one of the things that really drew me to Scott Fortenberry, and you see a couple of the pictures of the body that is there, is in another lifetime, when I was running from God, when I was doing everything possible, well, not everything possible, but most of the things possible for him not to continue to call me to ministry, I was a block and a half away from that house on the campus of Millsaps College in Jackson, Mississippi. And one of the reasons that I love Scott is because of the work that he and the folks at Soul City Church are doing. Not too long ago, I got to uh, ride the few blocks in his area with him. And um, he just shared with me the vision he shared with me his heart. He shared with me his, his love for a people and all that God was doing. You see this house that is here, this house was given to him. And as they started to redo and restore that torn down house, that other pick is the inside of that house, something happened. A sister church who was going under, who backed up to that house, there property backed up to that house said, Hey, um, you can have our buildings, two more houses on the block given because of the work and the restoration in the community that is happening through that work. I love stories like that. There is community restoration happening all around. And as I rode with him that afternoon, I was reminded of what Henry Blackaby has stated over and over and over and over again. God's at work all around you. He's at work all around you. Find where he's working and join him. He's not just working in downtown Jackson, not just working up in Memphis. He is working in DeSoto County. He is not just working in DeSoto County. He's working in Tate County. He's not just working in both of those counties. He's working here. Find where he's at work and join him. This morning, I want us to read one more time the book of Philemon. It's 25 verses long. And as I read it, I want you to think about the community, the community, the city, the neighborhood, the the house, yes, but the neighborhood and the city and all the different relationships that are happening in the letter, Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love for all the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. I pray that Your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. For I have great joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. For this reason. Although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I, Paul, as an elderly man and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, appeal to you for my son Onesimus. I became his father while I was in chains. Once he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. I am sending, sending him back to you. I'm sending my very own heart. I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel, he might serve me in your place. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. So, so that your good deed might not be out of obligation but of your own free will. For perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a brief time, so that you might get him back permanently, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother. He is especially so to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would me. And if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe me even your very self. Yes, brother, I may benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Since I am confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say, meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, since I hope that through your prayers I will be restored to you. Epaphras, our fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Heavenly Father, speak today. Speak in such a way, Father, that we would be challenged, we would be encouraged, we would see where you're working. And Father, we would join in that work. Thank you, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. What is community restoration? Community restoration, as I define it, as I see it, as I look at it, as I think about it, is this. Seeing the need, seeing the hurt, seeing the wrong, and seeking to meet, seeking to help, seeking to change it. Seeing the need, seeing the hurt, the wrong, and seeking to meet, help, and to change it. Community restoration begins with an understanding of the needs. Every single community has needs. Every single community has specific needs. Every single community has general needs that go from one community to another. But there are specific needs in each community that are different. And bringing about restoration in those communities, one must first understand the needs. If you were to take just a moment and you were to turn back a few pages in your Bibles, you would see a book titled Colossians. Colossians has four chapters in it. And more likely than not... When Onesimus and Timothy were sent back, when Epaphras was sent, uh, they took two letters. They took the letter that we are walking through, Philemon, and they also took a letter to the church at Colossae. Maybe it was the church that met in Philemon's house. Maybe it was that church plus other churches. We do not know the specifics on that. But there was a church, possibly multiple churches in Colossae. And this letter, Colossians, was written to them. And in the letter, in these four chapters, Paul writes in such a way to meet some needs that he has heard about from them. There were some specific needs that he wrote about in chapter 2 verses 8 down through chapter 3 verse 4. The meat of the letter it was a thing called Gnosticism. In Greek, it is a gnosco, that knowledge. It was a secret knowledge that they thought one had to have to be able to see or know God. And Paul rights to that need, rights to that wrong in those verses. Let's walk through a couple of these, just a moment. Need number one in every single community, the, uh, the number one need in our community, the number one need in the community that you live in, the number one community need that, that you work in is found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 down through verse 18. I'm going to read it for us and you're like, that, how does that answer a need? Well, let me read it for us. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for everything was created by him and in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. A proper view and understanding of Jesus is needed for you and for me to understand community restoration. The one need that every single community needs is Jesus. Brian, that's a Sunday school answer. No, that is the answer. The one need that every single community needs is Jesus. Before Paul unpacked any specific need there in Colossae, before Paul unpacked even the heresy of the day, the wrong teachings of the day, he wanted to solidify to them, he wants to solidify for us in Hernando, Mississippi in 2019, even today, that you and I must focus on Christ. Don't take your eyes off of him, church. Sir, don't take your eyes off of Christ. He is the number one answer to your needs. Everything that he's done, everything that he is, answers your needs, your hurts, and meets every single one. Well, Brian, does that mean that we don't need to take physical needs? No, that doesn't mean that at all does not mean that at all. If you and I only stand up and say, Hey, here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. Yet we do not clothe them. We do not feed them. We not, we do not give them warmth when they are cold. Then James tells us, Hey, you've done absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. The first need that we see in a Community in any community is understanding who Jesus is. A second need, a second hurt, a second wrong that we see in communities and how we might meet those is we need to have a plan, a combat plan. There is a spiritual attack on the community. There is a spiritual attack on the gospel. There is a spiritual attack on you and on me as sons and daughters of the king. And there needs to be a plan of how we address this spiritual attack. And this spiritual attack on the gospel, looking at the points of the heresy that was being put out in the forefront in chapters two, verse eight, down through chapter three, verse four. We won't spend our time this morning there, but it was, Hey, there's different classes of folks. And if you fit in this class, guess what? You can have the special knowledge. And if you can have the special knowledge, guess what? You can join the club. Everybody else. Thanks for trying. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, we see a third need. How do you deal with people in the community who might be abrasive? How do you deal with people in the community who might be opposing you as the church? Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17 gives us a great answer. Therefore, therefore, Riverbend, as God's chosen ones, therefore, sir, ma'am, as holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, put on kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Inside the church and outside the church. If anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive. Above all, love verse 14, above all, put on love. Which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body rule your hearts. And be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, Riverbend, whatever you do, sir, ma'am, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through So, how do you meet their needs? How do you, how do I meet those specific needs of the community? Through compassion. Brian, I don't have time. You and I both have time. We just give that time to something else. Through kindness. Brian, I just have a rough exterior. I'm not looking at anybody. I just have a rough exterior, but, but I promise you, inside this hard shell of mine, there is so much kindness. Through humility. Through gentleness. Brian, they just bugged the ever-living stew out of me. Yep. Guess what? You do the same to them. I do the same. But if you and I want to see our community restored, we have to show kindness. We have to show compassion. We have to have humility. We have to be gentle. We have to show patience. And above all, we got to love. Not when they sound like us or just when they look like us or just when they like the things that we like. But we have to love if we want to see community restoration. And Then my focus turned to that verse, and that word in verse number 16. A word I don't like. I don't know why I, I kind of focus on those words that I don't like sometimes. But maybe you like that word. The word is admonishing. Any of you like to be admonished? Brian, I don't know what in the world that word means. Well, thank you for joining with me. Here's what it means per Webster. To admonish means to indicate duties or obligations, to express warning or disapproval, to especially in a gentle, earnest manner, to give friendly, earnest advice or encouragement to. Like, well, I kind of think of it as the first and not the last, but let's think of it as the last. Let me come alongside you and encourage you. Let me come alongside you and say, hey, I'm going to admonish you, but, but here's the admonishment. Let me encourage you to be about what God has called you to do. He has called us to be gentle and humble and kind and patient to a community that needs him among a number of other things. And how you and I respond in this day. I get it. We have new neighbors that live across the street and my introverted self, they have moved in. They moved in between Thanksgiving and Christmas and and my introverted self said, all right, one of these days I'm going to go see them and I'm going to do it faster than I did the last set that moved in. That was my goal. And, um, and man, I was outside the other day. I was outside this week and, uh, and I saw the, the, the lady who lives there and she was talking with a neighbor, two houses down from me. And I was like, Oh yeah, but he or she, they're extroverted. And then I saw her talking with another neighbor. I was like, come, I got to go over there and I got to say hello to her. And I, and here's how I introduced myself. I did. I said, you know what? I'm the terrible neighbor on the block. I am sorry that it has taken me over a month to introduce myself to you, but you know what? We're the worst house on the street. And so thank you for joining us at Tanner Cove. Um, here's who I am, my family, and we had a good laugh and, uh, glad I went and met her. You know what? We all have neighbors. They have needs. This one had needs of what's happening in this community. I'm brand new. I'm from, an, I'm an outsider. What's going on? Well, let me talk to you a little bit. You have neighbors that you have known for years. I've lived in the same house for 14 years and some of my neighbors have lived right beside me. Let me encourage us today if we want to see community restoration to have compassion with those around us. Second, community restoration needs partnerships. Look at the last two verses of Philemon. The last two verses of Philemon. I want to show you some of the partners that Paul had. If you look up a few verses from that, Paul reminds Philemon that he is in chains. He is under house arrest in Rome and he is praying that he will be released and allowed to be freed from that chain. But at the moment, he is still chained. Not in a jail, but in a house. Just to let you know, Paul moves from here more than likely into another prison, more than likely he is martyred. But in these last verses of Philemon, he says this, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. There were some partners with Paul at this time. He needed those partners to do the ministry there in Rome, all throughout the region, because Paul could not leave the house. Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 speak about Epaphras. Epaphras is this, the first guy who is in the list states this, Epaphras, who is one of you, meaning he's from Colossae, He's a servant of Christ Jesus. He sends you greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers. What a great description. Who are you wrestling for in your prayers? He's always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. I testify about him that he works hard for you. For those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis, those are two neighboring cities. That's Epaphras. The next one that we see is Aristarchus. Then we see Demas and we also see that of Luke. Mark, Aristarchus, and Demas. Let me talk about Mark for just a second. Love the story of Mark. Acts chapter 15 verses 37 and 38, Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. Paul and Barnabas went on a missionary journey. The first missionary trip, Acts chapter 13. In the middle of the trip, Pamphylia comes up. There's some struggles. John Marks, a young guy, and he gets homesick and he tucks his tail and runs back to Mama. Barnabas... His uncle, come trip number two, says, hey, let's take John Mark. He's grown up some more. I love him. Barnabas, encourager, let's bring him along. Let's help him out. Let him help us. Paul's like, who is John Mark? I'm writing that dude off. And so he does. But not forever. As Paul matures and grows, as John Mark matures and grows something happens in 2 Timothy and in 2 Timothy Paul records these words let me see if I can find it 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 9 make every effort to come to me soon he's speaking to Timothy Here's Demas. Demas has deserted me at this time. He was with him when he was writing to Philemon and he was writing to those in Colossians, but at this time he has deserted me. Why? Since he loved the present world and has gone to Thessalonica. The Cretans has gone, Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Then catch this word in verse number 11. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. There was this man named Timothy. Paul wrote about Timothy in Philippians chapter two, verses 20 through 22. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests, all, all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know his proven character. Because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. I tell you all these verses for this reason. Paul couldn't do it by himself. You can't do it by yourself. I can't do it by myself. We need partnerships. We need partnerships in this room to form. We need partnerships from those of us in the room and folks outside the room so that this community might be restored the work paul was called to the work that he saw in every city that he went into was such that he could not do it alone he had co-workers i'm grateful for those in this room that are co-workers I ask that those in the room this morning take up that mantle on yourself and let's all be co-workers to see community restoration in the communities that you and I live in and work in, do life in. When I was studying for this series, I came across this quote from Charles Spurgeon and it so hits where we are today. Sir if you are truly a Christian ma'am if you are truly a Christian if we are truly Christians we shall be changed in all of our relationships to our fellow men and hence we shall sh- we shall regard those whom we call our inferiors with quite a different eye what's he saying with quite a different eye than others look at their inferiors It is wrong in Christian people when they are so sharp upon little faults that they see in servants, especially if they are Christian servants. And as you might remember, he is speaking about Onesimus and Philemon. Onesimus is now a Christian and how Philemon should look at him and how we should look at those inferior to us, especially if they are Christians. But even if they're not, Third point, community restoration is an ongoing work that must continue. The letters that we have from Paul, a number of them, a letters to the church that he writes, whether it is, Philippians, we have one letter. Ephesians, we have one letter. To the folks at Philippi or the folks at Ephesus, to the folks at Colossae, we have one letter. To the folks at Corinth, we have what we call two letters, but it's actually four letters that we know that he wrote. Folks at Thessalonica, that we have Thessalonians, we have two letters that Paul wrote. Why do you say that, Brian? I say that because it's not just that he wrote a few words and he never checked back in. He never thought about these folks again. No, he continued to send, he continued to read, he continued to write to these people so that their communities might be restored. It is an ongoing work that must continue. And if you and I think that because we did something five years ago, because we started something 13 years ago, because we did this one time, that community restoration is upon us, may you and I be challenged this morning and encouraged. It is an ongoing work. Every time I sit down to write a sermon. Each point that I try to make, I break into four different areas in my notes. The first area that I seek to get across to you is that of explanation. I'm trying to explain this portion of the text to you in such a way that you can understand it and I can understand it. Second, I'm trying to illustrate it. So there's some illustration that goes into each point. Third, there is argumentation. I'm trying to argue the point of Scripture to us so that we would grasp it, we would wrestle with it, and we would see it from multiple sides to get to the point. But if that's all I do, that is a lecture. And you did not come here for a lecture. If you came here for a lecture... Just let you know, I'm a worse lecturer than I am a preacher. But the fourth point, that I seek to get across to us every single time. I used to call it application, but for the last couple of years, I started using a different word. Now I use the word action. For it to be a sermon, there must be some action. There must be some feet moving in a direction for a particular purpose for this to be called a sermon. So I seek to put action for us to be about in each point. So what's the action today? Action number one. Every single one of you need to hear it. Every single one of us in the room need to internalize this and ask the question. Are you in the fight? Are you seeking to restore your community? I've said it before. I thought about it just a moment ago. Are you and I seeking to restore our community? Or are we driving out of the garage to the workplace, putting in our time at the workplace, driving back to the house, punching the garage door button, hoping that it works to get in the garage, to push the garage door button on the inside of the garage until you have to punch it again. Get in the fight. First and foremost, Riverbend, sir, ma'am, get in the fight. Find yourself in the names of fellow workers, co-workers for the cause. Second point of action, be diligent, be discerning. Know the different needs that you come across. Meet the needs. But know that first and foremost, the need is the gospel above all else. But also, take your hands, take your feet, get dirty with them, walk with them. There are other needs that need to be met. Came across a uh, phrase. I don't remember who said it first that I heard it, but I have heard it here recently that you and I need to be careful that we are so heavenly minded that you are, and I are no earthly good. There are physical and immediate needs that you and I are to address, need to address, and not just to stand up here and preach at you, but to call us to join together. Take out your calendars, whether it's on a phone or in a physical calendar, and circle a date for me. March the 17th, it is the second Sunday of spring break. I know some of you have already got plans. Get it? You can change them. Or you can continue with them. But on March the 17th, we are not going to meet here at 10 o'clock. On March the 17th, we are going to meet in our community. And we are going to have church in our community. And we are going to have church in this way, in a number of different ways, in a number of different places. We are talking even right now to four different segments of our community so that we will be serving, loving on, coming alongside, meeting needs in our community, whether that is some construction, whether that is some just holding hands and coming together and doing some crafts. We have multiple directions that we are looking into. You will hear from others outside of me in the weeks to come. But if we're going to restore our community, one of the ways that we are going to set out to do it is through a day like a Serve Sunday. Serve Sunday at Riverbend. We'll have details, but we're planning on a two to three hour segment of time where we go in and we help Some needs in our community. Second aspect of serve Sunday. I told you at the beginning that I love church planning. Do you know almost a year and a half ago, we sent someone, our church planner down south. We sent him and said, hey, yeah, we love you. Here's some some dollars go down start a church. Since that time, we have gone and we have helped by redoing the space where they are meeting, Connection Church there in Long Beach where they are meeting. We have gone down and we have loved on them. We have gone down and I have prayed over that place multiple times with him. But a couple of weeks ago, he was here and um, Steve Simon was here and we were talking. And our missions team had already stated, Hey, we would love to go down this day. I'm not going to tell you the day because you'll write that day down. And that's not the day we're going, but we would love to come down that weekend. Can you use this? And he said, you know what? If you would, you would move it one week. Um, we already have some plans. There is a Mardi Gras parade in Long Beach that evening and I'm purchasing a number. Hundreds of cups, we're putting information in it, we're putting uh, goodies for kids in it, and I really need you to come that weekend if you can. We can stay at the associational camp house, and um, I was like, done. So, if you want to help, community restoration, February the 22nd through the 24th, um, we're going to go down. $12 a night per person plus food. Join us. We're going down Friday afternoon. We'll help two different ways on Saturday. We'll have a block party or two on Saturday morning. And then Saturday evening, we will uh, be a part of passing out um, items at the Long Beach Mardi Gras parade. I have been told that it's not as wild as others. We're going to go down and we're going to take part in that. And uh, I would love for you, Riverbend, to help restore community. We are co workers in this. Brian, that really doesn't uh, pique my interest. There's multiple ways, folks, there's multiple ways. May you and I find ourselves like Timothy, like Epaphras, in the book of Philippians, one of my favorites, uh, Epaphroditus, fellow worker. May we find ourselves in those lists, and may we not find ourselves like demons. He was a worker. He was a co-worker. Yet his love for this world pulled him away. Father, I pray Lord, that we would see the needs around us. God, it's so easy for me to to see the next meeting, the next item on my calendar, on my to-do list and And miss, Father, it is so easy for me to miss the need right in front of me because I'm going to the next item on my list. God, I I just heard myself speak of my list. I am yours, I am no longer mine, I am yours. God, we are yours. May you use us to restore this community. This community that has hundreds that live in neighborhoods all around. This community that have hundreds that are like us and Hundreds that are not like us. Yet all of us need you. Father, thank you for River Bend for bringing us, these folks together. God, would you use us? May we see where you're working and may we join you. Would you work in and through us today? Challenge us. Admonish us, encourage us to get in the game. Some of us are hurting, Father. We've been hurting for a while. We have been hurt by by a church. We have been hurt by a spouse. We have been hurt by this world. God, would you draw us close to you? Love on us and send us out. To restore those who have been hurt by churches, hurt by spouses, hurt by work, hurt by life. Just walk with them. Share you with them and meet needs. Pray that you would do that. Continue to do that in and through us. We ask it in Christ's name. Stand and join us as we sing this morning. The invitation and the response is to our Father. Would you do that even now?